This is Coda Radio, episode 169 for September 4th, 2015. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us like a soldier, even though he doesn't have any furniture in his brand new house, why yes folks, is Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hello, Mr. Fisher. How are you? Good, good. You know, a weekly show, Mr. Dominic, um... Sometimes you have to persevere when somebody's just moved to Florida, they have no furniture because the delivery people didn't show up, and all they have is a phone. But the show must go on. (laughs) The show must go on. So, uh, yeah, we have, trust me, we we are EQing Mr. Dominic as best we can, but yeah, it is, uh, this week, uh, Mr. Dominic is a soldier. He really doesn't even have to be here for for this. I mean, this is like, he could have taken the week off, but he wanted to come in, do a show on Friday because he's been moving all week long. Are, Are you exhausted, Mike? How are you feeling? Actually, I did the drive in one day. You did. You drove in one day. Yes. And uh, and uh, the the idea being that the delivery people were going to drive in one day too. I take it. <laughs> well, they had guaranteed delivery by today. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> are Are you furious? I mean, like, I would be furious right now. I would be. I don't. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of anger. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. some disappointment. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny because the furniture hasn't even left New Jersey. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it, it's yeah. Pretty clear, though. Yeah, it's pretty clear what they did was, uh, you know, they're waiting for enough orders to come in to make it worth the trip, basically. So. Oh, you're probably right. You're probably right. I know. That's exactly what it is, because there's no other reason to. Uh, I'm sure they had another order and it fell through, so they decided to hold up. And so screw you. Yeah, basically. Um, so, uh, I've been kind of getting, not totally jerked around, but so I'm getting this, I'm getting a trailer. I, I got a, I got a trailer. It's going to be a mobile studio and I've been going on a road trip in September or I guess it is September now, later this month. And, uh, but the people I'm buying it from, uh, the guy's having a heart attack. And so he went, he, he decided to run it through a dealership since his health was bad and he handed it over to them. <clears throat> so there has been a whole series. And then that dealership had a series of turnover internally of staff at the wrong time. And so there has been all of this ball dropping along the way, not by anybody's intentional. Like, I can't be mad at the owner for having a heart attack. In fact, that's why I'm getting such a great deal on the rig. And I can't really blame the dealership. They were just handed the sale, you know, mid-progress. And then uh, they had they already had staff turnover. That was already planned, right? So I can't really be mad about that. But yesterday, during TechSnap, I get a phone call, which I decide to answer during the show, which I don't usually do. But I, I, it, it was a number I thought might have been the RV folks, and I really wanted to know what the status was. So I called, so I answered the phone and they're like, well, where the hell are you? They didn't say hell, but basically that was the tone. Like, where are you? We've been waiting for you. You were supposed to be here. And it's like, um, you guys are the ones that have been messing this whole thing up. And so it's not really that. It's just this, this whole, like, you do all your things right. You, you line up all the ducks. You make sure you double down on all the details. You get everything all lined up. And then there's just some sort of dysfunction and your plans fall through. And it's. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's pretty annoying. I mean, it's. Uh... Yeah, so did you ever get the, the rig or not? 
No, supposed to get it after the show today. Supposed to drive up there, but because the way their schedule works out, because of the up to upcoming uh, holiday, uh, I'm just going to sit up there in the waiting room with my laptop and work for two hours, I guess, while they work on my rig. I, just, I don't know what I'm... It's, oh, it's super frustrating. It's, it's not what I wanted, but, you know, once again, it's like, it's like the moving thing. It's like once it's over, it's all going to be worth the hassle, but the, the, in the meantime, it's, it's very stressful, so... Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Murphy's Law, basically. Yeah, yeah. So Mike is on the phone this week, so Mr. Killis is just joining us. Uh, and uh, it might sound bad, but uh, it's the best we got, and I'm just glad he could be here. So let's start with uh, – I wanted to cover something that's come into the show a couple of times, and there was a, a story that was just posted about it. it was just, it's uh, up on The Guardian, and it's about a Guardian tester who became who went from a, from a software tester to a developer. And he goes through about how he kind of uh, set his goals – and worked with his management to uh, sort of um, pay his way to go to some conventions and make in-person connections. He says, when doing self-study sometimes, the learning curve can feel like climbing a mountain, uh, obscured by fog, making it hard to measure your progress. A great anecdote for this is face-to-face events. Dojos are an open-style meetup where you can partner with others on a problem. It's an opportunity to learn from people with more expertise, and you might just find yourself sharing some of your own knowledge, which is a great way to build confidence. As well as well as gauge your own level, and I really like this because uh, you know, like uh, take uh, uh, Alan from TechSnap. When we started the TechSnap program, I don't think Alan was really beyond PHP and Bash. I don't think he was in maybe some Perl. He wasn't really writing much any kind of script or code. Um, and now, um, fast forward a couple of years later, after he's been going to these free BSD events consecutively back to back and sitting down, he started. By writing some Bash script for the FreeBSD installer, that he then was at an event with a FreeBSD uh, installer developer, and he took Alan's Bash code and he rewrote it in what I forget what the installer's written in, and showed Alan how he did that right there in person. And so and that sort of started the ball, and now Alan's contributing patches, and now he's in as a FreeBSD developer. And it he wasn't necessarily a developer before he really started going to these conferences and, and events. I mean, he had a very good understanding and he understood all the, all of, all of the uh, principles and essentials, but, uh, you know, he, he sort of learned by mentorship, which, uh, is, it's an incredible opportunity and it's sort of the unsung value about going to some of these events in person. Um, I don't ever get, I don't ever take advantage of it that way, but I see a lot of people doing it and it's such a good way when you yeah. sort of live in a bubble. You know what I mean, Mike? Cause like sometimes you can just get trapped yeah. behind your screen and you don't get that human interaction. Yeah, I, I never, I never get out, but I really should. There's a whole, uh, there's a whole, whole slew of local events. I mean, if you live near any big city, there's a ton. Yes, yeah. There and Meetup.com always has a whole bunch. Like, I, there's more going on than you could really ever really appreciate until you go to Meetup. Um, and, uh, and then you, you learn that there's a whole bunch of people at a different level. And one of the things, such a, one of the things that's so interesting about starting out and learning something is, and I, I've looked at this a couple of times in my own life, is I think sometimes once I've become quote unquote an expert or, um, really well, um, experienced in that, in that particular area, I look back and go, boy, if I knew absolutely everything I knew now, I never would have started it. I never, ever would have started it because I had no idea it was that much work. Like, um, that's how I feel uh, very, 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 very much so about video production. If the, the, that, that, that one time when we're sitting there doing the Linux action show and I go, gosh, there's this service called Ustream. I got this webcam here, and I think if I'm kind of clever, I can figure out how to switch these cameras and send that off to a stream. Why don't I just do that? And that was, that's what started the process of video production for me. And if I, if I could have gone fast forward to 2015 and said, this is what the state of video, this is what, this is what you will know then, and then, then you, this is what you won't know. And I would have, if I would have looked at that and said, no, I'm never doing that. That's way too much work. That's way too much work. 
There's some things like that that uh, you don't really fully know how much you don't know. And so once you really start to get into it, you go, okay, this is a lot. I've got my, I've got, I'm really getting into this. I'm really passionate about this. But how much more do I have to learn before I can really be an expert on this? You go meet these people, and it is a very good way to gauge where your skill set, skill set is at, because you're going to meet people totally at the beginning, and you're going to meet people that are, you know, the absolute experts in their field. And so you can kind of find where you fit in that range. A little bit harder to do, I think, online. I think online, everybody just kind of boasts whatever they want to boast. You can't really get a good sense, don't you think? Yeah, I think groups are great also because it may not even be about, like, people who are worse or better, just different. Like, you may have never encountered a certain database or a certain weird memory issue, right? It's hugely beneficial. Having said that, like you, I never get out. No, <laughs> always behind. I'm yeah. always behind the eight ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but you, that boy, that was that is a that is a good point too. Though, it's getting exposure to other ideas and solutions that you don't normally right. get to see. Um, you know what? <clears throat> it's actually a good spot. I mean, this is another approach: is double down on your education. Somebody like our first sponsor, Linux Academy. You can go to linuxacademy.com/coders to get the Coder Radio discount. Go check out Linux Academy. It could be a really great opportunity for you to bring your skill sets up on a, on really anything in the Linux sphere, pretty much anything open source, anything that might fit in that DevOps category as well, or any of the Amazon Web Services, or say like OpenStack things like that. Linux Academy. Go check out Linux Academy right now. They have a really sweet platform to help you learn all of this stuff. Seven plus distributions that you get to choose from, and then they'll automatically adjust your courseware. They have comprehensive videos and study guides that you can take with you and audio that you can listen to. They have instructor help available. They have a very active community stacked full of Jupyter Broadcasting members and they have always updated content, always rolling out new stuff, always making sure they have some of the best things out there because they don't just cover Linux and open source and Apache and PHP and Perl and Python and Ruby and all that stuff is like, you know, a thing that they have on their site along with After Effects and Final Cut and Adobe's products. No, no. This is what they do. This is what they are passionate about. This is their main drive is to get into this stuff. And they paired up with educators and developers to create the Linux Academy platform, and now they're growing. Now they're growing, and they want to go to the Jupiter Broadcasting audience. They want to see if maybe you'd like to join the team. They're hiring, and they're looking for some great new content creators who want to join a high-quality, fast-paced team. The opportunities include long-term contracts, part-term, part-time, uh, and potentially full-time for the right candidate. They have opportunities they're looking forward to fill with DevOps professionals and developers. They're looking for Linux C and C++ development, Bash, Perl, Python, instructors who are seeking to share their knowledge and have a passion to teach others, you'd be perfect for Linux Academy. They're also looking for big data and machine learning developers who would love to share their knowledge with a passionate community inside the Linux Academy. Lots of JB members in there. And if maybe video creation isn't your thing, they're also looking for certified professionals to help increase their practice exam database, which is always nice. And Linux Academy will be uh, paying for exam questions per question. Depending on the quality, depth, and accuracy of the question, a dollar to $25. It's really cool. So here's, if you want more information, if you think there's a range, something here that might work for you, this is a great opportunity for somebody in our audience to go work for a really cool company that we've been talking about for a while. Email Linux Academy, career at linuxacademy.com, career at linuxacademy.com. You can go get a job over there, and uh, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a part-time gig, maybe it's a contract gig, maybe it's full-time. If you've got an expertise, why not share it? And this is a great opportunity to go learn a little more. Now, if you can't always go do the in-person thing, one of the great things about Linux Academy is they do have that community. And they have live video sessions where you can interact with people and the rest of the people in the community show up. They have the forums that are stacked full of Jupyter Broadcasting members. It is a really good system. And then when you're ready to learn, you've got the scenario-based labs. 
those nuggets that I think are really great, and all of the current technologies. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to get the Coder Radio discount. And if you're maybe interested in getting a gig, which, I, I mean, I would love to work for Linux Academy, go over there and email them, career at linuxacademy.com, career at linuxacademy.com. And a big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. <clears throat> Mike, our hoopla this week defines the the hoopla category. So we have like a we have like a segment in the show called Hoopla of just things that are going on in the developer week in the world of developers this week that are worth discussing. Maybe have a few people upset. I wonder, Mike, because I know you've been moving. If you heard about JetBrains losing their mind, uh, or at least a whole bunch of customers in just a few hours. Yesterday's big news. This was yeah Thursday of this week. Um, at least big news for many developers, JetBrains, maker of the popular tools like IntelliJ, ReSharper, uh, they are moving to a full-fledged subscription model for their products. Previously, JetBrains products got you a perpetual license and a year of upgrades when you bought it. And now, that's going away. Starting November 2nd, they're doing a subscription service. And uh, it's a doozy. It's called the JetBrains Toolbox. And they say it makes it easier to access your tools, according to JetBrains' company blog. In fact, here's how they justify it. They say, as of November 2nd, 2015, we'll introduce the JetBrains Toolbox, a collection of popular desktop tools, IDEs, utilities, and extensions available on a monthly or yearly subscription basis. With JetBrains Toolbox, you can pick and choose one or more tools that best suit your current needs or go for the all-products plan that comes with a special savings. You decide what you put in your toolbox and for how long. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the nitty-gritty, Mike. Guess what? And you're not going to be too surprised by this. The top comment on Reddit points out that his indie IntelliJ purchase was only $100 a year. And now, with this change, it's gone up to $120 a year. So, basically, for indie devs, it's going, the price is going up. Unless you're a student, price is going up. $19.90 a month is what all-in costs you. If you want to get all of the stuff in the toolbox... Nineteen ninety a month or two hundred dollars a year. That's the current discount promo. After a while, it's going to go up to two. They say it's going to go up to twenty four ninety nine a month and two hundred and fifty dollars a year. You want just IntelliJ? It's eleven ninety a month. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about taking a long established tool that people are dependent on to create their living and transitioning it over to? A subscription model. We've watched Adobe do this with Photoshop. You could argue that Photoshop is, a, it, I think, you unquestionably could argue it is a critical work tool for many graphic artists. And now the Creative Cloud is out. And essentially, if you don't want to pay for Creative Cloud, then you're stuck with, what was it, Adobe CS4 or whatever was the last uh, non-creative version? But that, you don't really have that option with IntelliJ. You can't just hang out with IntelliJ for four years or whatever. You're going to miss out on the new features required to do your job. Yeah, this is not a great idea to me. No, this seems like it's really screwing people, doesn't it? Well, it's funny because, you know, I could see that people would be reluctant to update IntelliJ um, or Ruby Mine or any of their other tools, but, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that this is the right path, although it's working for Adobe, right? I mean, Adobe's raking in cash. Yeah, but I feel like Adobe has a little more of an exclusive lock. I mean, you're going to have definitely people that consider themselves locked into IntelliJ, but like, there's nobody that makes another Photoshop. Right. I mean, I'm thinking about IntelliJ's tools right now, or JetBrains' tools. You have IntelliJ, which is a pretty common job that I use. 
Um, but of course, anyone using Android is probably using Android Studio mm-hmm. at this point. Um, you can have Ruby Mine, which I think is fairly popular, but probably not anywhere near as popular as IntelliJ. I, you know, I don't see a lot of usage for the sake of that. I can't imagine someone needing to use all of their tools, right? Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's almost, you know what, Mike? It's almost like it's a way of like um, taking the more popular products and 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 enforcing them to pull up the less popular products. So instead of admitting that these products aren't good enough and not selling well, you bundle them in, and then when you look at the sheets, you can say, well, they're generating this kind of revenue. Instead of actually cleaning up house internally, is kind of what it feels like to me. Well, would you suggest that they cut less popular products? I would suggest I would suggest that instead of instead of trying to generate revenue off those less popular products and maybe I mean maybe it's not as dramatic as I'm making it sound but sell them individually sell I just sell them individually it feels well, they like it, right? they came they, they came out with their Apple uh, you know their Objective C IDE and I didn't you know I tried it out yeah it I sucks didn't know really anyone using it right yeah I wouldn't say it sucks it's just the uh, it could have been good the, the way Apple does things there was no way they were going to get it. Yeah, they just they're on the yeah. It sucks. It sucks because they can't. They don't get the integration that Apple products get when Apple makes it themselves. I understand IntelliJ is in a tough spot because you know um, the most popular platforms have their own tools and uh, they just continue to encourage you to use those. I just I don't know. Maybe the audience has a different opinion on this. They, I, I'm not super invested. I obviously am not an IntelliJ user. I don't really doesn't affect me directly, but I do really hate the, the rug getting changed around, out from underneath me. I remember, you know, this I happened. Mean, yeah, I mean, I'm using Android Studio right now, as we speak. I used to be an IntelliJ user, so in a weird way, by making, uh, you know, by making Android Studio, they basically removed the customer, which is interesting. I wonder how many people did that, how many people actually bought IntelliJ uh, Pro and then downgraded to Android Studio. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why they go subscription, because they hope you just keep the subscription going. <laughs> well, it's weird. Because, like, Android Studio is intelligent community edition, but there's a lot of other people mm-hmm. back in development, a lot of migrations you don't get. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, maybe, for, I hate these little middling charges, these little, like, $11, $20 accounting charges. Because then at the end of the year, it's like, oh, I've got to go through all this stuff. And, you know, yeah, there's so many little subscriptions you have to have now. Right. I, I would almost rather purchase you know, a $100 license, $200 license, yes. whatever it used to be. Yes, I agree. But, I agree. In fact, you know, Angela, does she manages all the finances, and she's always like, she's always constantly saying, okay, we need to go through and make sure we're not accumulating subscriptions that we're not paying for because so many services now, backup services, d- 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 CDN distributions, everything is, even now software is becoming subscription-based. And so we have we have all these little subscriptions that we're constantly managing to make sure we're not paying for something that we don't need to be subscribed to. And I just, it's exhausting. It's annoying. And it doesn't even feel like a professional-grade tool when I pay monthly for it for some reason. It feels like I'm getting a, a watered-down version for some reason. I'm, you know, I, I like the option of being able to subscribe because certainly for like a lot of individuals or college kids or even startups, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you don't have a ton of cash. Yeah, they've got some student yeah. discounts and stuff. I mean, they always offer that, but it, I, it's still for the general average person, it, it raises the bar a little bit, so you can't play with it as easily. 
So what happens if you don't pay your subscription? Is it like Photoshop cuts you off? I, you know what? I don't. I don't actually know. I don't actually know what happens right. if you don't pay. Does it stop? It probably doesn't open. Have, this. Right. They used to have a subscription program where you pay a subscription, and if you didn't pay it, they just froze you on whatever version you left. Color. Um, I wonder if now it's like Adobe where you don't pay it and you simply can't log in. Yeah, I mean, I... I I'm, assuming, I'm assuming it has to authenticate now. Uh, Which is good, is it seems JetBrains is... is um actively listening to this feedback so i give them i gotta give them credit for that in fact they're reaching out uh uh they're reaching out to people so we'll see i mean JetBrains sort of has a good rep and so hopefully they're going to manage this correctly yeah you know I, I really don't think it's such a horrible thing if they give you the option to just buy a license like you yeah to. that would be nice just I give mean, me let me just buy a license right. yeah hmm. yeah i, I have asked Maybe I'm promoting. I hate upgrading my ID. Everything breaks and it's a disaster every time. Yeah. Rikai says in the chat room, it's going to force him back to Eclipse. And you know what I hate, what I really, really hate, and it's because I only use Photoshop like every now and then. I sit down at the computer just to use Photoshop and I launch Photoshop and I've got a few minutes and it says, oh, hey, I need you to log into Creative Cloud. Well, my Creative Cloud password is some LastPass-generated monstrosity. So then that means what it really is saying is, hey, I need you to stop everything you're doing. Go launch your web browser. Go log into LastPass. Go get your cell phone so you can do the authentication two-factor key for your LastPass database. Go into LastPass. Find the Creative Cloud. Copy the password. Bring it back over to this application. Paste the password in the login box. Then hit login so you can open up that one Photoshop file so you can change it from episode 154 to episode 155 and hit save. And that's so annoying. I would much rather just buy Photoshop for $300 or whatever the hell they want to charge me and then never, ever, ever log in again. Because that 30, 40 seconds, that is 30, 40 seconds that I spend passionately hating Adobe every time I do it. Every time I launch their project. Because I don't use it every day, I'm not constantly refreshing my Creative Cloud credentials. So it must just be expiring. Or if it opens up on another computer, it expires. It's extremely annoying. And by the way... Because my philosophy is, is if we're going to use proprietary software in production, that we must pay for it. We have to feel the cost of using proprietary software in all its aspects, so we legally buy all proprietary software here at the network. And that means I'm paying something ridiculous, like almost $750 or $780 a year, a year, so I can run Photoshop on like two computers and After Effects and something else. It is ridiculous, and I resent Adobe for it. Uh, Maybe they're making a lot of money. But it, it, honestly, every time I get that login box, that 30, 40 seconds I spend hating Adobe is also, there's a secondary process in my mind going, dude, just go get CS4, just add localhost, just go localhost all their activation servers, and just be done with this. You know how to pirate this software, and you could pirate, like if I took all those 40 seconds and added them all up and, just, and spent one hour pirating Photoshop and getting all the studio computers, I'd be done. And you know what? Part of me would feel real damn good every time I opened it that I stole it from them because they weren't forcing me to log in. But I'm not doing that because it's illegal. But that's how I feel about it. So I don't know how these developers that use these JetBrains tools are going to feel about it. But if they get prompted with a login screen from time to time when they're in the middle of a project, they're trying to get a report, they're trying to get check something for a boss, something like that, and you get in the face with a login screen and you're using proper password hygiene, that's a major, major pain in the butt. So I hope they think of those things too. Because that would drive me crazy. I mean, the other thing is there are other options, right? NetBeans exists. Um, Clips. Depending on what you're doing, Android Android Studio might just be fine. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. And it's for some people, it might even be a better system. I acknowledge that. For some people, it could be better, too. So there's that. And and if JetBrains handles some of the feedback, well, you know, I'll keep an eye out on this story, and uh, we'll see where it goes. I don't know if we're going to have any updates by Monday. Um, I wonder if you're going to have furniture. You probably won't have furniture by Monday, will you? Probably not. Well, maybe we'll do maybe we'll do another Friday episode or something, just to see. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we should probably do that. Yeah. Okay, well, then let me take a minute, and uh, I'll thank uh, DigitalOcean right here. This is your place to go to get Linux infrastructure on demand. They actually have free BSD as well. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up a cloud server. You're going to get started in less than 55 seconds. And the pricing plans are nuts. But get this. If you use our promo code, CoderDigital, you're going to get a $10 credit anyways. But get, just wrap your head around this for $5 a month. Not a day, a month. $5 a month, you get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer for $5. And if you use our promo code, Coder Digital, you get a $10 credit. You can try it out two months for free. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, and a gorgeous brand new one in Germany. And their interface to manage all of this, it, it's like they had a DeLorean. They took Biff, they kicked him out of the car, and they said, stop going back and, and gaming the system, Biff, future, future Donald Trump. And they got, in the, they got in the car themselves, they went into the future, they saw flying cars, they saw how to build good interfaces, and they brought it back to our time. That's, why the, that's the only thing I can figure. That's the only thing I can figure why the DigitalOcean interface is so damn good. They're time travelers. It's the only way. And you can check it out, too, for two months for free when you use the promo code CoderDigital. And then, and then, they're like, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take an API. That seems like something they do now. And so they wrote this great API to make you think that they're from the present. That way you're not onto their time traveling capabilities because they just wrote this incredible API. And you're like, oh, well, everybody's doing an API. But they wrote, like, the best API. Like, okay, well, they're just really good at what they do. Uh-uh. When you combine the evidence, you know they're time Travelers, try it out. See if I'm wrong. Coder Digital, two months for free. I bet you'll figure it out. They got CentOS, they got Ubuntu, they got Debian, CoreOS, FreeBizzle. You can install all those different things and then one click to pull the applications onto them like a boss. Plus, you can destroy your machine when you need to, transfer it, move it around the world, back it up. DigitalOcean has it all. And you use that promo code, Coder Digital, you get that $10 credit. And don't forget to check out their tutorials, too. Really good tutorials. You get a lot more out of your machine. DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code, Coder Digital. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coda Radio program and for traveling through time to make the best interface possible. All right, Mike. So this, I believe, this judge must be a Coda Radio listener. I think we got a Coda Radio listener uh, and, uh, in, 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 in the courts. So Apple, Google, and other tech giants, oh, I love it when we call them tech giants, will pay $415 million in a poaching scandal settlement. We talked a little bit about this. Uh, so the settlement in March, U.S. District Judge uh, Lucy Koh ruled on Wednesday that some of tech's biggest companies will pay $450 million to settle this long-running employee poaching lawsuit that I think even goes back to when Steve Jobs – I think this is the one we talked about where there's emails from Steve Jobs. Apple, Googie, Googie yeah. <laughs> Adobe, and Intel and other major companies were hit with this class action lawsuit for allegedly agreeing not to poach employees from each other. Like, you know, off the record, oh, yeah, we won't hire from you. You don't hire from us. And action – in an action, the plaintiffs in the case argued kept wages artificially low. Last year, Judge Coe rejected the $324 million settlement, saying, not enough money. Uh, the case centered on emails between Steve Jobs in a 2006 email to Eric Schmidt and, and said that Google was relentlessly recruiting from Apple's iPod group, asking if that's true, Schmidt would put a stop to it. And that led that, that, lane, that line of exchange led to a $450 million settlement with these employees, you know, developers and stuff. Google was trying to get folks out of the iPod team to come join the Android development team. 
And then Steve Jobs asked him to put a stop to it. Eric Schmidt said he would. And because those two powerful men had that simple exchange in email, <laughs> there's now this settlement. But really, $415 million split between Apple, Google, Adobe, and Intel, not really a huge deal. Yeah, I imagine the bad PR was a little more of a concern. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what was your? I can't remember, Mike. What was your feeling? It, it, what if uh, you know? What if what, what, what if you and another development shop had an agreement not to hire from each other? Does that seem like such a bad thing? Well, well, we don't. That that happens all the time. That's so bad. Because is it bad? Yes, it's bad, but it happens all the time. Yes, I suppose so. I mean, I was trying to think if uh, if I've ever I've had uh, non compete agreements I've had to sign, which essentially did the same thing, reverse. You know, I couldn't go work for anybody else in that particular industry in that area, so it essentially I mean, accomplished the, the, the standard, same task. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the standard non compete that I'm usually uh, familiar with is you if you work for a dev shop, you may not go work for their clients, right? Exactly. Um, and if you decided to go on your own, you can't use any work you did for them as, you know, materials that you did. Yeah. Yeah. And and when I was in yeah, IT contracting, pretty, yeah. when I was an IT contractor, it was I couldn't go off and start my own IT contracting business and take any clients with me. And I couldn't go and work for like their nearest right. competitors in the in the industry. Yeah. I mean, the nearest, I don't know how the nearest competitor is going to that. But the, the you can't take if you decide to you know, do Chris Ellis. Yeah. Chris Ellis, you start with nothing. Right? Yeah. You can't say, oh, I work on this project that, you know, I'm up in the air, here's you can't do that. Right, right. Um, which is all pretty standard, but the whole you will not hire my employees thing is, is obviously illegal. Like, I, this is the one case where I think I'm like a little guy. Yeah, but, I actually, uh, I actually glad the, serious, I mean, I was, I was yeah. mocking the settlement, but I'm glad that, I'm glad, I'm glad Judge Coe went back and said, no, 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 no. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more. These people couldn't get jobs. It affected you suppress their wages for a while. So I'm glad that she went back and, and upped it, even if it was only a little bit. Uh, you know, Mike, we have a couple of good pieces of feedback to get to, but uh, since the audio is not so good this week, should we save them for next Friday if we want to do a Friday edition? Let's save them for Friday. Okay, so I, I'll point to one. I don't think we'll read next week, but since it's in the subreddit, anybody can go comment. Uh, essentially, uh, BNB330 was asking for uh, a really good monitor specifically for development. And I, at first I was like, a monitor for development? Like, why do you need a monitor for development? And then I thought, well, maybe there is. Maybe the – it's not that ridiculous, actually, when I started thinking about it because there's a lot of really good monitors for photo editing, uh, monitors that are really good specifically to read text. And uh, one of the ones I have – what is this? It is uh, – it's an LG and uh, I don't know the name, but it's like a 21 by 1 or whatever. Like it's a super ultra-wide monitor. And it might make for a really great developer monitor. So anyways, uh, BMB asked the question in our subreddit. We'll have it linked in the show notes for a new monitor. He's also asking like around Linux support and things like that if anybody has any. Uh, it looks like uh, Xeni put him in there for a different budget one. A 28-inch uh, color accuracy isn't super important. If it's not super important, then he's got a 28-inch uh, that looks really nice. 2160p panels for $400. Something. So, so if you guys have any advice for like really great uh, – Obvious uh, monitors that work well for developers. Maybe there's a category in there that uh, we don't know about or I don't know about. 
So go ahead. I'd like that feedback. And then we'll read the other feedback that we have in the next week's show. So we'll just, we'll just put that one out there right now. People can go comment on that. 21 by 9, Rikai says, is the aspect ratio of our monitor, 21 by 9. We have it here in the studio. And what's nice is we have it on our Wirecast broadcast rig. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six windows open across the screen right now. And uh, I, can, I can see the real-time playback and the chat room and all of that across this one really, really, really wide monitor. And so it makes for... Some super cool viewing and uh, some some nice web browsing. So check that out. Yeah, the BenQs uh, are also good. The EW244L. I love that resolution. So there you go. That is uh, that'll be the Friday edition of the Quarter Radio, Mike. I boy, man. I hope you. I hope everything works. Will you like like if you get like a if you get furniture or something, you got to tweet and let us know because this is like you're like Steve Jobs over there living minimal. You just need like you need a picture of you on a wood floor with your legs in a uh, crisscross applesauce style, drinking a cup of tea. And you're good That's to go. Exactly what I was doing. A cup of tea and a MacBook. I mean, how, how much more than I get? Oh, man. Like, really? Oh, man. Well, uh, congratulations on the move. I'm sorry it didn't go super smooth. But you know what, Mike? One day, you might just, sh- you might just see me show up with a trailer in your front yard. Having come through Texas. (laughs) Uh, All right. So join us next week. I think we we are going to do the show on Friday. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get the live time for that. JBLive.tv is where we do it live. And don't forget, you can go to coderadio.reddit.com to submit content or feedback or email us. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Choose Coder Radio from the dropdown and send in your feedback to the show. We'll read it on a future edition of the Coder Radio program. And, of course, put your good vibes out there so that way, you know, Mike's desk, microphone, stand, chairs, things like that show up. That'd be really nice. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Quota Radio. See you right back here next week.